We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Boston Celtics escape Memphis with a narrow victory. That's now a six-game win streak for the Boston Celtics. We're going to dig into what's happening behind the curtain here of this six-game win streak. That and more coming up next here on Green with MB. What up, what up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, it's your boy Will. We are checking in. How you doing? How you living? If you're, if you're like me, your heart skipped a beat right there at the end of that Celtics-Grizzlies game. We'll get into all that. And to help me break it down, it is my best friend, co-host, and the coach of our podcast, the one and only Greg Manakis. How you doing, man? Full of dim sum, ready to talk ball. Let's get it, baby. <laughs> yeah, a little programming note here. Greg and I are going to recap here at the top half. For those of you on the audio portion, it's going to be myself and Greg recapping the Celtics 102 to 100 victory over the Memphis Grizzlies. And then second half of the podcast, which we recorded just for full disclosure, we recorded before this Memphis game. Uh, and we probably presumptively talked about we, the streak should still be going. Luckily, it still is. But myself and Adam, we dig into some of the reasons behind the Celtics' current now now six game win streak and then take a look at the week ahead coming up for the Celtics. But as we do each and every time, let's do it here and let's queue up a morning box score. The Boston Celtics take down the Memphis Grizzlies on the road narrowly 102 to 100 in a game that comes down to the last second frantic sequence to end the game. Let's start with the Memphis Grizzlies here. And obviously, if you've tuned into the game at the beginning, you saw the laundry list of players not available for the Grizzlies. Potentially, that that team by itself could go for the play and see it in the West. But down a ton of guys tonight. They come out with a lineup that features Desmond Bain, John Conchar, Bismack Biombo, Jaron Jackson, and Santi Aldama, a jumbo-sized lineup for the night. Let's start with Desmond Bain. He had 30 points, 11 of 27 from the field, 7 of 14 from three, eight assists as he kind of worked as the de facto point guard. My guy, Santi Aldama, one of my favorite non-Celtic players in the league, non-Celtic role players in the league. Massive night for him. 
28 points on 11 of 27 shooting as well. 6 of 15 from 3, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals. Jaron Jackson, 17 points in and out of foul trouble throughout the night. 17 points, 8 rebounds, 6 of 7 from the free throw line, 5 of 12 overall. Let's swing it over to the Celtics and let's start with the big man. Let's go to Chris Stapps Porzingis. Nine of 13 from the field, eight of nine from the free throw line. He finishes with 26 points, eight rebounds, and six massive blocks, including the game winning block at the end of the game during that frantic sequence that I mentioned. Jason Tatum, 20 points, nine rebounds, five assists, five of six from the free throw line, seven of 13 overall. Sam Hauser lights out from on the bench, from off the bench, excuse me, five of seven, three-point line, 15 points overall for him. Derek White doing Derek White things, 10 points, three rebounds, four assists. Drew Holiday with some excellent defense throughout the night, seven points and six rebounds. Jalen Brown, five, only five of 16 from the field, one of seven from three. Basically every Celtics starter struggled from the three-point line tonight, 12 points for him, six rebounds and three assists. Celtics dominate the points in the paint tonight, winning that. 42 to 32 and greg i I think this is where i want to start was tonight more a credit to the the approach the grizzlies had (laughs) or was this a game that that you look at the celtics and you say this is clearly insert x was missing from this team tonight um i don't really understand the insert x was missing like something was missing from what What was missing or was there something was off from the celtics what was off from the Celtics? they made this game a lot closer than we really thought it was going to be yeah i just think it was the grizzlies playing really physical brand of basketball as you mentioned they had that jumbo size line lineup i was talking to my dad because i watched a game with my dad my parents are visiting right now shout out to alan and charlie um I was trying to explain to him what was going on with the Grizzlies. And he was like, oh, so is this guy Aldama their best player? I was like, well, he's one of Will's favorite players, but he's definitely (laughs) not one of their best players. Um, But he played, he played great, man. You know, they, they mucked it up. They were taking charges. They were being really physical with the Celtics. I think when you don't have all of your guys, like the, Grizzlies didn't have you just play to whatever strengths you do have and for them they had a lot of big beefy dudes you know with Bismack Biombo starting at center big and beefy is definitely how you describe Desmond Bain <laughs> yeah Desmond Bain Kenneth Lofton Jr. also uh, how you definitely he's he's Kenneth Lofton is jumbo size never David like Roddy size, like all these dudes they're just like kind of big guys so they got really physical with the Celtics um the Celtics got frustrated by the lack of calls and then, you know, I, I thought that Tatum kind of disappeared a couple times throughout the game. He wasn't being very physical. He wasn't hunting a shot. He didn't shoot a three-pointer until the fourth quarter. Um, you know, Drew and Derek, I thought Derek White had one of his, like, most non-Derek White type games. Like, he had a couple weird plays in transition where he just, like, got out Derek Whited by the other team. Uh, Desmond Bain, like at the end of the fourth quarter. Yeah, that, that, yeah the tie-up, right? The tie-up where it looked like Derek White kind of caught, got caught between shooting a three-pointer and transition. Just like a lot. It was a very um, stagnant game. Like Scal was talking about it throughout the game, how there was no flow to the game. And it's kind of the opposite of what we've seen out of the Celtics so far this year. It's just been, everything's been so pretty, so free-flowing, so easy. It was nice to see them get a win by gritting and grinding their way through a win in Memphis. 
And that's a big theme that Adam and I talk about on the on the latter half of this podcast. Just the Celtics are winning in in different ways. Let me kind of go through some of the things that have made that so in this most recent now six game win streak. But let, let's go through a couple of the guys here tonight, and let's let's start with Chris Stapps, Porzingis, because I think Chris Stapps was was excellent in this game. You know, nine to thirteen from the field. Say that again. He's MVP. MVP of this game, no doubt. It's not, not even a question. He's 9 of 13 from the field. He's 8 of 9 from the free throw line. Of course, those six massive blocks in which he was just deterring everything. Even if he didn't get the, the shot block, they could feel his presence there. You know, you mentioned to me before we came on that this might be the, at least early on, signature Chris Stapps Porzingis game. What was the most impressive about, about him tonight for you? Yeah, that rim protection is, is huge, man. Like, you know, it wasn't just that he was. Um, you know, blocking shots at the rim. It's just like everything that he's doing positionally is deterring people from getting to the rim as well. He's he's discouraging a lot of drives. And when people do try and yam on him, they're getting denied at the rim. But I think Porzingis's ability to open up things on the offensive side of the ball, just like throwing the ball to him in the post against a mismatch. You know, he didn't hit a three-pointer tonight, but he was still dominant um, on the offensive side of the ball. He looked limber. He had a couple drives where, you know, my dad doesn't watch too much Celtics basketball during the regular season. So, and my mom didn't hadn't, hadn't watched a game all year so when mm -hmm. she saw Porzingis she was like wait how tall is this guy like what's going on with him he looks amazing he jumps so, yeah, off the screen for sure yeah he, he really does and you know in a game where Jason Tatum had eight turnovers and yeah. just didn't look good at all very un Jason back Tatum -like poor, poor Tatum games yeah and Jalen you know struggling a little bit on the offensive side of the ball I, I wasn't as upset with the way Jalen played Jason played like shit tonight um but Porzingis, you know, he looked like the best player on the court on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, we've talked about yeah. everything that he can do with his screening and what that opens up for the team. But, you know, when I think this is what makes this team special. When Jalen doesn't have a great game, Jason doesn't have a great game, Drew and Derek didn't really show up um, in this one on the offensive side of the ball, Porzingis stepped up. You know, it's, a, it's the luxury of having all of these guys that are all-star level players. And then when you add Sam Hauser, just shooting lights out off the bench it, it makes a big difference yeah shot, shotgun wasn't messing around that guy we had him in that first half when just felt like nobody could other than him and porzingis could buy a bucket but let's stick on porzingis because i had a, I, something i wanted to ask you as i was watching the game and i feel like and this is this is kind of a, a coaching question yeah and I, I i can't remember i feel like in the last week or two there was another game that felt like this where Porzingis was so dominant early. And I think he had what, like 13 points in the first quarter or something to that effect, you know, six of seven, seven of nine in the first half. And it felt like the Celtics could have kept going to that more and just almost mm -hmm. in a game where, you know, Jaron Jackson and Biombo were in and out of uh, in and out of foul trouble the entire game, partially because of Chris Stapps, Porzingis, he got to the line nine times. And it, it felt to me like they almost didn't go to it enough. And I don't know if that's a little bit of the, you know, we kind of have to see, we have so many mouths to feed. Let's make sure that somebody else isn't also feeling it. I don't know if you felt that at all, but I felt that there were times from that first quarter to the end of the game where they went away from just, you know, trying to find that mismatch with Porzingis and, and maybe a guy like Bane on him where he can just shoot over him, regardless of how strong and tough Bane is. That's the, you know, that's the X factor with Porzingis. Cool. You can keep me from getting, you know, five feet from the rim, but you can't keep mm -hmm. me from getting 13 feet and I can shoot directly over you. And it, it it felt like the Celtics, in my opinion, didn't quite go to that as much as they could have. Yeah, I, I think, you know, they didn't shoot a lot of three-pointers tonight. The Celtics only shot, what, 31 three-point shots tonight, mm -hmm. which is far below their season average. And I think with Porzingis, 
you know, the, one of the benefits of being able to throw the ball into the post is when he gets those mismatches. So he's not really somebody that you're just going to like set wedge screens and cross screens for and just have him post up against another big. He doesn't really like to post up yeah. against other bigs. He posts up when he gets those mismatches. So you have to manufacture those mismatches and they do take a lot of, you know, a lot of effort to get those mismatches. Um, you know, there are a lot of ways that you can scheme out of it on the defensive side of the ball. I wasn't really paying attention, honestly, to to how the Celtics went away from that, or you know, I wasn't really watching for that. Why they went away from that during the game? What what I was more paying attention to as I was watching it is just like how they were navigating the physicality, and mm-hmm. you know, when the I think the Grizzlies did a good job of kind of taking away the first and second options and making the Celtics uh, go to a lot of ISO ball. Um, and I, I think that's what we saw a lot in the second half is the Celtics couldn't really get the ball movement. Every once in a while, they did have one of those classic Celtics possessions that ended up in a wide open three. But for the most part, it it turned in, it devolved, I guess is the best word, into more isolation basketball. And it, it was just very clunky. Um, you know, I, I agree that they probably should have tried to establish Chris Stapps in the post a little bit more. And that's something I would like to see them do more of is kind of play off of him on like elbow actions, kind of how uh, Denver does that with Jokic and how the Heat do do that with uh, Bam. Well, they had that, that, um, that one play earlier, which I think someone called out as this was kind of an old Robert Williams play, but it was Chris Stapps at the elbow and then Jalen back cut along that baseline. Mm-hmm. And they got that easy dunk, right? And so right. once Chris Stapps opens it up, you know, with his scoring ability, then there's more room for for those type of actions or other easy buckets that can come, you know, off of exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and to, to your point, just like continuing that, they should have run more empty side actions with Chris Stapps and a ball handler. Like, they like doing that with Jalen. You know, Jalen, I mm-hmm. sent you that uh, picture today to our group chat of uh, Jalen being one of the most efficient uh, points per possession off of pick and roll plays oh my god so many peas um with chris saps porzingis <laughs> you want to talk about Peyton richard next <laughs> yeah. and you know um jalen had that nice alley-oop to porzingis early in the game and that back cut they get some great action off of that because if you have jalen flying out of the corner off a dribble handoff with with porzingis it does stretch the defense in a lot of ways and it didn't seem i really uh, honestly i wasn't really watching from a coaching point of view tonight because i was watching with my parents yeah. and i was kind of just That's like fair. talking to them throughout the game um but I, I, I do think you're that's a valid point that you're making. Yeah. I'm also curious what I, I'm really enjoying. So you and Adam had a, a big Jalen Brown discussion about a week ago, a little over a week ago, whatever it was. I'm really starting to enjoy this this Jalen Brown, Kristaps Porzingis, you know, uh buddy cop film that we have developing yeah, here. Great. Apparently they have some they live in the same building, they travel to, you know, to and from the team plane all the time together. And, you know, now, and I really like this point of you and Adam's conversation from last week is that, okay, like, yes, the J, probably the Tatum Porzingis pick and roll is probably going to be our ultimate. If we can get to that, that's probably our best play. But what, what if we need to go to the next thing? What's the mm-hmm. next thing if Tatum rolls his ankle again in game seven? What mm-hmm. happens if Tatum's in foul trouble? You know, you need to establish that, that JBKP connection. And I think you're starting to see it, you know, Adam and, uh, and I in the conversation coming up highlighted a play from Jalen Brown and Chris Stapps in the Toronto game in which it was a you know pretty simple pick and roll action uh, where JB just is kind of patient. Chris Stapps leaks down the middle, gets the alley-oop in the, in the mm-hmm. middle of the lane. And was that the one where, Jay, where Jalen kind of got the guy in jail, had him on his hip? Had him on his hip, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I actually, I, te- I texted play. my brother after that happened. I was like, Jalen's starting to develop a really nice pace in the pick and roll with Porzingis. Yeah, tell me more just about some of your thoughts, just in general. It doesn't have to be specific to tonight's game, but just Mm -hmm. in general on on their connection. Yeah, I think 
a lot of it is not only pick and roll, but they're doing just like two man action, right? So two man action doesn't have to start with the the ball handler being um, the typical pick and roll ball handler. They do a lot of like get actions and dribble handoffs. So get action is when the the guard throws the ball into the big and they go into a dribble handoff off of that. Um, like a give and go. Some people call it like a give and go. But it's like a get action when it goes into a dribble handoff. Um, and I think that Jalen is starting to see like how much space he has because Jalen doesn't do well in tight spaces. So I think when they go empty side, but they have Jalen starting in normally it's in the left corner so that he can get to his right hand and he just shoots off of that. And he's such an intuitive cutter and back cutter as well. I think that Jalen is just like you need, sometimes you need another guy to kind of elevate certain parts of your game. And like Al Horford's a good passer and, and whatnot, but he's not Porzingis. We've talked about yeah. that all year. It's just another level of player. And sometimes you just have natural chemistry with another guy on the court. And I think this is the first time I'm seeing with a big man, Jalen having that natural chemistry. He did have a little bit of that with Marcus that, you know, certain plays like that back cut and transition, they would always run. But this is the first time you're seeing Jalen play off of another player on on the Celtics roster, which you just haven't really seen. So much of what Jalen Brown has done has been in isolation and transition, being just like Russell Westbrook, force of will type player. And this is the first time that he's getting to um, understand the nuances of a pick and roll, of an empty side um, dribble handoff, like all these things that take time and take repetitions. And this is something that I've been clamoring more Four is that Jalen needs more repetitions with Porzingis. I think Tatum also needs more repetitions with Porzingis. It seems like they like going just to Jalen and and Chris Stapps and having uh, Tatum kind of being off off ball on the other side and 45 cutting and things like that. So um, I'm really enjoying watching Jalen find this new part of himself with Porzingis. As you said, it's kind of like a little buddy cop thing. They have a great chemistry off the court, and I think that's translating, translating to how they're playing on the court. I feel like we we, we got to come up with a nick. I don't have a nickname for them right now. I'm not going to put you on the spot to try to come up with one. Uh, I the only thing I thought of briefly during the game, KPJB. Is there like a KGB type, you know, play on words? I don't know if you want to do that. And then you get the, I, the I, dude. It's late. I've been entertaining my parents all weekend. I'm not. Quick like I said, that's why I'm not putting you on the spot. Right now. I said, this is just something that was starting to brew yeah. in my mind. Is that we need to find a uh, a nickname for them? Uh, you mentioned Marcus Smart as you were talking there. A little sad that we don't we didn't get to see Marcus yeah, Smart but against it, the boys, but it'll be cool that his first game will be back in Boston. Real, real quick before yeah. we uh, kind of transition here, I did want to talk about that stretch in the third quarter where Missoula took out the Jays and Holiday, and he went to yeah. that Derek White, Chris Stapps, Al Horford, Peyton Pritchard, and Sam Hauser lineup. When when that happened, what was your like? How long did it take for you to realize that's what Joe is doing? And did you go crazy when he did that for the last seven minutes last of the seven third quarter? I mean, I I don't think like I think the first two probably the first two minutes or so I was just like oh, okay he's just you know we got a back to back right the Celtics do have a back to back tomorrow so that started to to cross my mind but it did become one of those where it was like how long <laughs> is this going to go and really the last then he went I, to Kada <laughs> I was going to say the last three minutes didn't even have KP out there. Like yeah. Nimi got his first run for the last, you know, wh- whatever it was uh, in that third quarter. Uh, I mean, uh, interesting. If there's the time to do it, this is front night of a back to back against a team that's depleted, and you want to see what you got because this is a, this is a game for me that always felt like it was one two to three minute Celtic stretch away from the floodgates opening, and this game being in our rear view. 
right? Yeah. It, it felt it never just never happened. That run just never really materialized. That's a credit to the Grizzlies. But I, I think for for Joe Missoula, I didn't I didn't mind him experimenting with it now. It yeah. was a little confusing, but I don't mind the experiment. Yeah, I didn't mind it either. Um, I, I, as I've said, I've been so busy entertaining my parents. I didn't even realize we had a back to back. So that actually makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, but I was excited to see Kata get a little bit of time out there. He looks huge, man. He's he looks big so dude. big he's, on the court. And he's, 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 he's pretty cabin, cabin Gelly, but just actually like as big as we wanted him to. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, to I was be. excited to see him on the court. My guy, Lamar Stevens got a little bit of run. Yep. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm sure are we planning on doing another, another recap. More yeah, we'll do, we'll do a recap after the, after the Hornets game tomorrow. So we can okay. we can dig in more and see because I'm sure Al Horford's probably gonna sit that one. So we'll see what who actually plays in that. But one last plea here before we we go ahead and send this over to the second half of the podcast. And this is to, to Joe Missoula. I think Missoula's actually doing a pretty or I'm really impressed with Missoula so far in this second Same. season and him him learning from the mistakes of year one. My new pet bugaboo with Joe Missoula stop challenging shit five minutes into the game <laughs> like it's a possession when it's like eight to four like you gotta stop losing these these you gotta challenge make calls. sure that it's like yeah. i know i know they're quick but come on man like you you can't lose your challenge five minutes into the game when it's eight to four you just he's done it two <laughs> or three times this year and it's like unless you're one thousand million percent clear you're winning it you just can't do it because uh, I think Jalen Browns and I got pretty frustrated with the refs, and there was a call mm -hmm. early in the second half in which he got called for an offensive foul, which I don't think was the right call. Would yeah. have loved to have had my first challenge available there. So then right. maybe the refs see, oh hey, we're not giving JB a good whistle. JB starts getting a better whistle. Could have seen, could have you know had things go differently for so Joe Missoula. This is my plea to you: please stop using your challenges in the first five minutes of games. So I'm asking you're doing a great job other than that, but please cut that shit out. That's going to do it for this side of the podcast here on the second half. You're going to hear myself and Adam. As I mentioned, we'll talk about some of the hidden facts behind this win streak, and we'll look at the week ahead. Uh, Greg, it's always a pleasure, my man. We'll catch you tomorrow night for the recap after the Celtics Hornets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Will Weir checking in, riding shotgun with me today. I got my homie Adam Taylor. Adam, what's popping? Yo, what's good, man? What's good? I'm very happy. Five game win streak right now. They got the Grizzlies tonight at the time of recording. I know that we should be beating the Grizzlies. They're in Memphis. There's no Marcus Let's Smart. Let's hope. Greg and I will have this covered. If you're listening on the, on the podcast version, you already know Greg and I have this covered. If you're listening on YouTube, go down to the game recaps. Greg and I will have you covered with whatever happens. But as you're saying, Adam, it, it's 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 disappointing to not have Marcus Smart in this game, right? Yeah, I mean, I would have liked to have seen Marcus Smart play. I do think that when we eventually see him play, he's going to have a big-time Marcus Smart game. I think there'll be some bad moments for him, some big moments for him. But I do have one... Wait, wait you, you, you mean that's just that's just the Marcus Smart experience? That's what I said. We'll have a big Marcus <laughs> Smart game. I, I do have one like overarching thought about the entire thing, though, and I just want you to share that with everybody right now. We're going freaky! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the usage. That's all we can use. But uh, I needed to add that in because of voice, you know. Well, we talked about movies a little bit in the last podcast. I I'll tell you this. I think old school is probably top five. I think it might be my favorite co comedic movie of all time. I think it might be. I don't know if this is if this is like high school will talking high school college will would have easily put ago. this number one. I haven't see. I haven't. I need to rewatch. I haven't rewatched it in a while. What were your thoughts on a on a on a more recent rewatch of Old School? I watch it very consistently, dude. It's one of okay. my most watched comedy films. Uh, one, it's got Alicia Cuthbert in. Um, two, and Is that a little uh, celebrity crush of, of Adam. Long, long, long time. Long standing. Okay. Yeah. Um, and two, it's just funny as fuck. Like. I think that that was when there was like a period of time, right? Where um, <laughs> Will Farrell was going through like just crushing it on every movie he did. You had like Step oh, Brothers, was, yeah, yeah sure. like Prime. And I'm a big Vince Vaughn guy. I just find his like mm -hmm. dry humor funny. So I just thought it was a really good cast. One of my favorite comedies of all time. Top five. I struggle to put things one through five when I'm doing stuff like movies because I think they're so fluid. Yeah. Like, have you seen. um? What's that one with all the kids? And it's like American Pie, but with kids, and they're all swearing all the time and stuff. And when they released the movie, it was they were too young to go and watch the movie because of how the age rating. It sounds very familiar. Uh, good boys. Something I never saw it, but I know what you're talking about. I think that is what it is. Yeah, good boys like that. Like it's fluid because I didn't, up until 2019, when it came out, <coughs> excuse me, is that movie good? I found it really funny, and I think a lot of it's the shock value, okay. like um. There's a scene in it where he's got one of the kids, one of the main characters, the little lad, has got some anal beads, but he thinks it's a necklace. And he thinks, yeah. and because it's anal, he thinks the brand is anal. So he gives them <laughs> to a girl that he's trying to date. Like, ah, oh, here's some, here's a nice necklace. It's from anal. And she's like <laughs> putting it around the neck and sniffing it. Like, why does like it thinking it's like, like, like Chanel instead of yeah, exactly, dude. Like and that. like, yeah. she puts it around the neck and she can smell the shit. And she's like, oh. why does it smell? He's like, I don't know, but it's a gnarl. It's expensive. 
(laughs) And they find there's another scene like they find a sex doll and they think it's a CPR doll. So they start trying to learn how to give mouth to mouth. The the amount of humor you can get from the blissful ignorance of kids in comedy is perfect. It's so, I I mean, it's it's like having a little kid swear, like like even smaller than what you're saying. Like, I know, I know, I know it's a, you know, probably not great parenting, but anytime I see, you know, either a friend of mine with a little kid or just, you know, it could be a TV. It doesn't have to be like a friend of ours. But like if you get like a five year old to say shit or something, you know, like it's hilarious. Like it's never not funny. It's always funny. It's 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 gold. And this is what it is, right? Like to me, this film is and it's nothing like American Pie. Like obviously they're not trying to go out and get laid or anything like that. And I know that, you know, Gen Z aren't really a big fan of American Pie anyway, but just in terms of like shock value stupidity kind of like cultural relevancy and longevity of the like the comedy that's in it like mm-hmm. because it's so broad like it's top five for me because it's just funny same as like um what's the other one i like with kiss my aunt fear what's that one with which one role models oh that's in that same genre yeah yeah, yeah. that's that that's a perfect one i like role models as well uh yeah robot robots is actually probably a little bit underrated uh big fan of paul rudd my household very big fan you you mentioned your kind of celebrity crush that's my fiance's celebrity crush is paul rudd uh i know that if he somehow comes a comes into austin texas there's a chance your boy's taking a back seat oh man i'm sorry man you would just deal with him well he was in wales not too long ago we'll uh, we'll, we'll call draymond green we'll put him in a chokehold he was in (laughs) wales not too long ago paul rudd well, I mean, I could believe that was he because, promoting uh, a movie or just just joking? no because Ryan Reynolds owns a because uh, of the Wrexham because of Wrexham. Yeah, it was like a, sense. it was like going around all the Facebook like yo, poor Rudd's at a Wrexham game is in the local bar with all the guys just buying yeah. rounds. I'm like, what the fuck is Ant Man doing in a fucking bar in Wales? Hey Amen. You get you get celebrity owners for your sports teams. They bring everybody out. I've been, I I was watching that Wrexham documentary for a bit, and they they always get people to come out there, man. See, I'm just like, nah, it's soccer. I couldn't give a shit. Yeah, it's okay. It's not a bad. It's not bad. I don't mind. It's sports and it's, it's you know, it's entertaining. So, you know, I, I like It's Always Sunny. I think Ryan Reynolds, I actually just watched, a, I started watching Christmas movies last night. So, okay. tis the season. I uh, watched some new one from a year or two ago, actually with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. I've seen it, it advertised. Is it any good? It's like it, a musical it, type thing. I didn't right? even realize it was a musical until it started. Yeah, it was. it's a little long. It's, it's you know, it's a six out of 10. But, you know, it, during the holiday season, we just put up our Christmas tree last night. So, like, it's you know it's gonna trickle in there's there's a bunch of you know holiday movies that i've seen a million times so this was just like ah whatever let's try a new one and what's your favorite sometimes i miss okay we'll 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 talk basketball after this yeah what's your favorite bad christmas movie favorite bad christmas movie hmm do you have one that's off the top of your head while I think about it? Yeah, mine's Jingle All... Um, is it Jingle All The Way? With, yeah, Jingle um, All The Way is a pretty Arnie. good one. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. That's my favorite bad Christmas movie. Oh, Same as my favorite good. bad action movie is Last Action Hero with Arnie. <laughs> so it's just it's just a bad movie legend, which is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> I think that works. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I have... I, there definitely is one, but I'm, I'm blanking on it right now. I'll, I'll, I'll come back. We'll circle back to this. We got a whole holiday season to fill here. Yeah, so well, I'll, I'll, I'll circle back. With whole my segment on Christmas that. Chronicles to discuss. <laughs> I love Christmas all, Chronicles. There you go. That's all coming up here. Uh, but for now, like you said, let's talk some basketball. Let's, uh, let's, let's swing it back here. 
We mentioned at the top, Celtics are streaking. Greg and I will cover uh, where we're at after the Memphis game here on the front half of the podcast. But Adam, right now, as we're talking, recording on Sunday before that Memphis game, Celtics are on a, you know, on a five-game win streak right now. First team in the NBA to crack those double-digit wins. And the interesting part that I want us to kind of dig into here is it feels like they're doing it in different ways. Yes, they're number one in the league in offensive rating. Yes, they're tied for number one in defensive rating. Adam, can you name that team they're tied with? Probably the Timberwolves off the top of my head. That would be a good guess. They're number two, the Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic, 106.5 with their defense. That's how you know it's so early in the season when the Orlando (laughs) Magic have tough as a defense. I know, I know. The Celtics play the Magic in-season tournament game coming up on Friday. Celtics Magic. So we'll talk about them later. I'm sorry, what was it? It was the uh, the in-season tournament, Adam. Well done, Adam. Well done. You didn't miss a beat right there. I love that. I do I do appreciate you jumping in with that. But let's look at this win streak here, Adam. How are the Celtics getting it done? Tell me about it. So one of the first things for me is the catch and shoot game. I think that it's very underrated how high so many of the guys are shooting from catch and shoot. If anyone follows me on social media, they would have seen me put this out yesterday. I'm just going to... Sh- I'm not going to share my screen. Okay, so we've got five players shooting above 40% on catch and shoot freeze for the season. Can you tell me who those five are? And first of all, did you see the tweet? I saw the tweet. I don't necessarily know if I remember it. So let's, let's okay, see if I can, I, can, I can do this off the top of my head. So we got five guys. So we, Sam Hauser better be on this list. because Sam Hauser is on this list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got to be on that list. Shoot, though, remember. We need... That's true. Well, then again, with Sam Hauser, he should be on that list. That, yeah, that makes, yeah. That makes but perfect. I just want to preface that. Though. I got you. Uh, so let's go with Chris Stapps Porzingis for this. That's number two. Uh, I feel like Derek White should be on this list. That's number three. It's number three. Can I get a Jalen Brown? It's number four. All right. All right. We got one more. Oh, man. Do I go Jason Tatum or do I go Drew Holiday? Or do I? No, it's not Al Horford. It's not Al Horford's turned around the last two games. He's not quite there yet. Let's uh let's go with Jason Tatum for the last part. That is correct. Yep. And Drew Holiday is in the high 30s. All right, so just on the fringes, just on the just on the fringes. But I feel like that's a big part of it, right? Because what we're seeing is the Celtics sometimes they go cold off dribble pull-ups, they go cold off self-created threes. Uh, But what they're doing is they're consistently knocking down catch and shoot ones. Because as like if you go back to that Toronto game from the other night, when the Celtics weren't firing, you had Al Horford getting paint touches, drawing two, kicking the ball out, and that's when your catch-and-shoot opportunities are coming from, when it's a wide-open shot or a very open shot. You know, maybe it's the ball's rotated twice. It's found you. You've got a defender four or five steps away thinking, shit, I need to get there. It's just easier. So that's part, that to me, that's a big part of what's kept this winning streak alive, but it's definitely not the only part. Yeah. No, for sure. And I, and I think the interesting thing is that we we could probably find multiple different things as to what's happening with this team because this team has won in a multitude of ways. They've blown out several teams. I think the game against Toronto the other night was was it's kind of inconsistent. I want to say it was ugly. I think it was just inconsistent, right? Like I think there yeah. was times that the Celtics didn't necessarily get downhill. Jason Tatum being the you know biggest uh, you know example of this, right? One of eleven from three. You know didn't get to the free throw line in that game. Which by the way. This is something that I, I just started to realize in that game. I didn't realize how bad Jason Tatum is in Toronto. 
Is that something that that that, st- that has stood out to you over his over his career? I've never looked, to be honest. So I, I have the numbers here because 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 I remember as I was watching, I was like this feels kind of. Have I seen this movie before? <laughs> you know, has this happened before with Jason Tatum? And uh, I, I know while I was out, you 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 did a little football talk with uh, with Greg. You, you got your, your you know your Patriots Mac Jones talk in there, and I'm going trying. back to the try. Hey, I appreciate the effort. So going back in the day, Tom Brady was notorious for not always, but being but being inconsistent in his play when they went to Miami. Why I don't know. It really was one of those things that was hard to figure out. And Toronto might be Jason Tatum's Miami. So for his career, he actually only averages 16.5 points, 6.9 rebounds, 3.3 assists, shoots 32% from three. And in 10 games, he's actually struggled to break getting to the free throw line more than five times. He's only broken getting to the free throw line more than five times once in 10 games in his entire career in Toronto. Is this on StatMuse? Are you on StatMuse? I am on StatMuse right now. Can you have right. a look what it's like in Minnesota? I've got a theory. I just want to double yeah, check. Take a look. But yeah, it was something that as I was watching, it was, and like, I don't know, like I said, I don't know if we're going with that. This might be a, you know, cold weather thing. I was trying to figure it out because as Tatum was just ice cold in that game, uh, you know, it, it was just something that was, that was really oddly sticking out. So if you look at him in Minnesota here, uh, less less of a sample size. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Only only half the amount of games makes sense. Twenty three point two points, eight point eight rebounds. Shoots only twenty eight percent from three point from the three point line. Does still get to the line seven point three times versus I think it's like two point five when he's against okay, the Raptors. So it's not the weather. Because so obviously, that's right, that's I thought that theory was going. Yeah, because I don't know what the weather's like in St. Louis. Like, is it warm? Is it cold? Is it normal? It has, it has multiple seasons. So, okay, I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it's it's not necessarily the the coldest place. It's certainly not going to be a northeast or a, you know a Chicago type cold. Yeah, yeah. But they they get all the seasons there. So it is just an interesting anomaly that this tends to be a place where Jason Tatum struggles. But Maybe what is just with Drake? That was the other part I was thinking about. Maybe, maybe you know, Toronto's supposed to be a pretty fun city. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe it could just be Tatum hanging out with Drake too much. But you know, but it did let, lead me to start thinking. Like you said, you know, the the Celtics are finding different ways to win. And so this year, you know, they found they've had multiple games where they've lost either the field goal or the three point percentage battle in that game. And in years past, they're not winning those games, but they've got wins at the Raptors, at the Knicks, versus the Heat, versus the Nets, in which they lost that particular battle that night. And they're still finding other ways to win. And it's becoming a really impressive calling card of this team, of the way that they can sacrifice, shift, and kind of manipulate whatever it is they need to do on that particular night to go ahead and get a win. Yeah, a lot of it's just the the star players, primarily Tatum and Brown. But obviously, you can you can throw in Chris Dapps, you can throw in Drew, you can throw in White, whoever, however many you want to put into this pool, it really doesn't make a difference. Their shot profiles just seem to be so much more diverse this season compared to what we've seen previously. That you know, when against the Raptors, when they were throwing to at Tatum for posting up, and Tatum went back to kind of being on the perimeter trying to drive, it was Brown that was giving you a post presence. When they were really stopping the the rip throughs off the catch, you had Derek White in the dunker spot operating as kind of like a a dunker spot playmaker. At that one play, everybody pointed out where the ball went round. Derek White got it, right jumped for halftime. Yeah. yeah, kicked it back out. He was an he was an inverted dunker spot guy. So it's it's as you said, it's molding. It's kind of fluid. It's 
it's that type of like evolution within the game that we're seeing that's making them so hard to predict because one moment you have got a Drew Holiday posting you up or a Derek White in the dunker. The next moment you see Chris Tapp's Paul Zingas come off a flare screen and now he's in the corner stretching out the defense across the baseline, allowing Tatum to come off a rip screen and dunk. Like there's so many moving parts to this. And I do think that as you look down the roster and we start to go to more single school guys, there's a reason why we're seeing like it was an eight man rotation in Toronto. It was a nine man rotation the game before. We're not really seeing the Brissettes and the Stevens and, mm-hmm. you know, we're not seeing those guys really get minutes. He seems to be the guy that's in and out of the rotation a bit more because of the scoring punch. And I think that is because Missoula is really favoring guys that can blend with what's needed at that moment in time. Even Peyton Pritchard is doing a good job, even though he might be struggling, but he's finding ways to impact the game where you can have him as a ball handler that's going to threaten to shoot around the rim to draw to and then kick it because he's such a willing passer out of that like Nash dribble. Uh, That, to me, as you said, it's the calling card, but it is the shot diverse shot profile that's really making teams struggle. Man, I really, I really want to see Peyton Pritchard start knocked down. So he got some really coming, wide dude. open looks. I, I, I think it is too. Uh, it's some really open looks. I don't want to belabor that point though, because we, we've talked about that too much. Yeah, now it's it, coming. It, it, I'm, I'm staying positive. It is what it is. I'm with you. I, I think it's coming too. I think we've seen enough body of work that it's, it's going to come. But something else that I, I wanted to talk about here that I, that I think stood out to me a little bit in, and I want to start with at the beginning of the year when I was kind of assessing what I think might happen with this. Yeah. Team, right. I didn't think they were going to be a very good rebounding team. Did you think they would they would be a good rebounding team b- before the Middle year started? We'll talk about Middle where it's now. I was expecting like, yeah, like maybe by the end of the season we'll see them in the top ten for defensive rebounding. But I was like ninth, not, maybe not. 10th. Not what we're seeing right now, right? Like, no, so, so that's where I was at too, right? Like, like not they they weren't going to be you know the bottom of the league when you when you have Tatum's a beast. Porzingis is seven three. You know, you you have two. You have too many guys that are willing to rebound. I think the biggest thing has been I didn't expect Drew Holiday to rebound the way that he's rebounded. That has, that has been a surprise. He's averaging over seven rebounds a game right now, nearly seven and a half rebounds. But the Celtics as a team, we talked about you know them and the Magic being tied for the lead in defensive rating, defensive rebounds. Celtics are number one in the league in defensive rebound percent. They're number three in the league right now. Like that is not something that I expected out of this team. But when you look at, you know, the top five of guys, you know, we, we keep talking about, you know, this top five, six Celtics have, I mean, you've got Jason Tatum, 8.7 rebounds, Drew Holiday, 7.6. I shortchanged him. He is over seven and a half, 7.6 rebounds for Drew Holiday, 6.7 for Chris Stapp, six a game and only 24 minutes for Al Horford, five for Jalen Brown, 3.7 for Derek White. And so you just have collectively, you know, a group of guys that are really hitting the glass. And I thought that was going to be an area that I was absolutely looking for to be a weak spot for this team and an an area that they could get, uh, you know, taken advantage of. And it's become a it's a massive strength for them this, you know, 12 games into the season. uh, And I just wasn't expecting that. I mean, to piggyback off that, it goes one step further. It's not just the the defensive rebounding, and obviously that's incredibly important for the obvious reasons. You kill an offensive possession, you reset your offense and stuff. But they're also third in the league in opponents' second points allowed. So even when teams are getting those defense, those offensive boards, Boston are swarming, and I think because they're rebounding by committee, because mm-hmm. you've got a 7 free guy protecting the rim, you've got a Jason Tatum or a Jalen Brown rotating over with athleticism and length, and then you have guards like Drew and White that play physical, 
those second chance points are really difficult to come by because if you try and put it straight back up, there's a hand in your face. You kick it out to the free and you've got whoever just charging down at you. And the Celtics have been hitting some perimeter blocks throughout the season as well. So I think when you look at it as a whole in terms of rebounding and limiting second chance opportunities, they're really going hand in hand. There's a bonus point for you if you know who's first in opponent's second points allowed. Unfortunately, I have it pulled up here, so I do know the answer to, the, to that question. So, yeah, Celtics are was Celtics third, Magic second, Knicks first in the yeah. opponent second. Yeah, and you know Which, what? I'm going to upload a clip while we talk yeah. just to show exactly what I mean by having that rim presence after a team gets the offensive rebound. Yeah, and and you know it's it, like I said w- w- with the Celtics team, the def. You know, Joe Mazzulla talked about it, right, in the, in the preseason. Let's get back to defense. Let's get back to what I messed up on. Like, he took accountability. I messed up. I, I did not preach about the defensive end. And you're seeing this team really fully committed to it. And, you know, as we're looking at just the streak that they're on right now, Adam, I mean, they've blown a couple teams out here, but, you know, they've held opponents to 107, 94, 98, 107, 105. Like, in the modern NBA, if you're holding teams consistently, under 110 you know or especially under 100 like that tells you how connected and how in tune your defense is on a night-to-night basis it's just uh how can i put this it feels like we're watching an ime udoka defensive system being able to hold teams so low on points and grind out defensive possessions but with the joe mazula flair of swarming and like it feels like we're seeing Last season, I felt like Joe assumed the defense was there already and just focused on I mean, he said as much. To his credit, he said that, yeah. And now you come back this year and it feels like not only has he got them buoying back into what worked on that NBA final season, but he's also added his own flair. He's added some Cassell ideas into it. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing such a, like, the 2-1-2 press. That feels like it... I don't feel like that was a Missoula call. I do feel like that might have been Cassell or Lee. Do you know what I mean? Kind of bringing that in with mm-hmm. them and being like, hey, just to run down the clock. You know, I'm not expecting the press to force turnovers. I'm expecting it to be just 11 make them, seconds. M- yeah. Make them start their offense at 12 instead of 17. Yeah, exactly. And now you're in a rush to get things going right. I just want to point this video out a second. So what we'll see is we'll see Paul Zingas get a block on Grady Dick. Boom. But then we get the second chance opportunity here and look, how's just straight there? You've got Paul Zingas in your face and he forces the shot alteration. And I feel like that is part of the whole defense in itself. Like mm-hmm. you've got a big man in Paul Zingas that plays drop your system around Paul Zingas is drop, but it's so fluid that he can snap out of that and become a perimeter defender. And he's really good at keeping in front of his man. His footwork's good. Grady Dick is meant to be, you know, a high level prospect. He's a, he's a blue collar prospect. Um, and it's not really working for him trying to drive on Paul Zingas. Then all of a sudden you've got Hauser come in and pick up a bigger guy. It just seems like it's all like interchangeable and it's interlocking. And that's a big part of it as well because you've heard me say this a million times. You can have a bad shooting night and you're fucked. But if your effort is there on defense, on an elite defense every single game, then you've always got something you can fall back on and you will always be in with a chance of winning at the end. of the- It might be a a tight game like it was in Toronto, but you're always going to be there or thereabouts by the mm-hmm. time you're down into the into the clutch. And and that's where I think this team is at. Like I think it's very, you know, even in the games the Celtics have lost, obviously they've been they've been very tight. I, I, I think it's going to be hard to blow this team out. 
Like, I, I think it's going to be very rare that this team gets blown out unless they completely just have, you know, one of those nights from last year where it was just very clear. Oh, they didn't show up tonight. They, they you know, it does, we might as well cancel the podcast. There's no game recap. They didn't show up, you know, unless they have one of those type of nights, which we haven't seen out of this team. Yet, and they've had the opportunity. They've had guys, you know, the, the old Doc Rivers. Like, I'd, I'd rather have all everybody with their players because as soon as you hear, you know, player X, whoever the other team's best player is, is out, you see them, you know, pull pull their foot off the gas right and we saw that with tyrese halliburton you know earlier this year and the celtics put up 155 points they certainly did not slow up when they heard there was no tyrese halliburton so you know i think as long as the celtics don't have those type of breakdowns it's gonna be near impossible for teams to to have games where they can run away from the celtics team Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Yeah, I feel like part of that's maturity, right? Like in years past, maybe the the younger guys did go out before a Miami game or ahead of a Memphis game when they're in Tennessee. Maybe they do hit the, like the clubs the night before, mm-hmm. and then they're coming in a bit like you know, as I've always said, a bit tender, a bit a bit like oh shit, why is my head like the way it is? A bit yeah. woozy. Now everyone's a little bit older. Like Brown's twenty seven, Tatum's what twenty five. Horford's yeah. nearly 87. Yeah, Holiday. Holiday's 33. Yeah. You know, you got a little bit older presence there. So certainly that, that, that you know, could be could be part of it. Um, and, and I think it's part of just that, you know, that winning process, right? Like it takes time to understand these things and how it all works, not just night to night, but how does it work over six months, basically, yeah. right? Six, seven, eight months as you go through this grind of a season and knowing when to pick your spots, when you're going to, you know, do whatever it might be, whether it's on the court or off court that I'm talking about, you know, you kind of can pick your moments to do that. Uh, with that, Adam, let's, let's take a quick look here just at the week ahead for the Celtics. So Greg and I will cover whatever happens in that Memphis game here. If you're listening to the audio version or if you're listening, watching us here on YouTube, game recaps, go scroll down. You can go ahead and check out what is going on or what happened, I should say, in that Memphis game. Uh, this is going to be a back-to-back Monday night. They're at Charlotte Wednesday. Celtics at home, first time we'll get to see the matchup of what was supposed to be the two Titans of the East clashing on their way to the Eastern Conference Finals. They'll take on Dame, Giannis, and the Milwaukee Bucks on Wednesday at home. And then, of course, on Friday, you know what it is, Adam. It's that time again. Wait, it comes back. <laughs> had in season tournament Friday. I know we gotta, dude. Honestly, the first time you played it, it was just running through my head. I was like, you were talking whatever we we transitioned <laughs> to at that point, and the the theme music was still playing in my head. Uh, but Orlando for the in season tournament on Friday. But you know, Adam, like as the team's streaking right now, and you look at the week ahead, you would think, and like I said, we'll know by the time this is out. Memphis, they're just decimated with injuries as John Morant still suspended just a really rough start to the Memphis season you would think the Celtics would keep streaking Charlotte 
a little bit more fight to them, but at the same time, it's you know that's been a team the Celtics have really dominated over the last couple of years. I'm expecting that to not you know not have too much resistance, but then you get to the back end of this week, and that's where it gets really interesting. And you look at specifically, obviously, Milwaukee on Wednesday, Orlando, who we've already talked about having a surprisingly good defense early in the season. You know, playing them on Friday on the road, but you know, starting with 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 Milwaukee, you know, this is supposed to be. The two best teams. Now, I think Philly's making a case that, hey, don't forget about us. And, you know, you and Greg talked about them last week, about them being another team that could be in this top tier of yeah. the East mix. But with Milwaukee, you know, Dame and Giannis finally starting to kind of find a rhythm here. They're nine and four, but the two of them, you can, if you've had a chance to tune into some of them, I've seen more highlights and I've seen full games of Milwaukee at this point, but it does seem like they're starting to get their, their footing behind beneath them a little bit. Yeah, I think that the concern was never about whether or not Dame and Giannis figure shit out. The concern was about is the depth there, mm-hmm. right? Like the depth that they have is solid, but it's also old. Brook Lopez is old. Chris Middleton has been dealing with injuries for a few seasons at this point. He's, He's the key. That's, that, that's yeah. the key for me for their entire team. Like, and I feel like, like we're at a point now where you kind of like, obviously not at the same level of stardom. So just in terms of availability, Chris Middleton to the Bucks is Anthony Davis to the Lakers. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, unlocks everything else that they're trying to do, but cannot be cons- like relied upon. Can't be relied upon. Yeah, exactly. you don't know if he's going to be there. I mean, he's. Yeah. I don't know if he's still on that weird minutes restriction. You know, I've checked a few sc- uh, box scores, and I'm like, man, he only played 20 minutes again tonight, you know? Like, and it's it, without Middleton being very close to the Chris Middleton, who was, for years, it, it was a legitimate argument. Who's better, Jalen Brown or Chris Milton? That was a very legitimate argument, and I think there's, for a time, as Jalen was continuing his ascent to, you know, where he is within the NBA hierarchy, like, there was certainly a time where it's, you know, it's Middleton. Milton was the answer. And, you know, it, injuries over the last couple of years, and and this was the issue for Drew Holiday when he was in Milwaukee, right? Middleton wasn't there, and so... Now, Drew, who we've seen in spurts, can be a really, really dynamic, you know, offensive player. But he was asked to be the number two. He's the number four on the Celtics now, right? At times, maybe even number five. Or can be anywhere between that spectrum of three to five as your your offensive guy. And he had to be the number two way too often in Milwaukee. And even with Dame there, it feels like the Buck season is really going to be all about what Chris Middleton brings and just who Chris Middleton is at this point. Yeah, and I feel like when you're looking at what Chris Middleton brings, it's very hard to not expect him to be the key because you're looking at other guys on that roster like, hey, Bobby Portis is one of your most important players. Now, Bobby Portis is stepping into a foot. He's a great role player on a contending team. He brings physicality, he can space the floor, he can do a lot of different things. But if he's having to step into like a third option role, or yeah. kind of be interchangeable in that third option role, then you're kind of screwed. And that's where Chris Middleton's value really is because they mm-hmm. don't have the, enough behind him to be able to feel confident with somebody stepping in for him. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Everybody, Th- There's too big of a talent gap to yeah. go from Dame, Giannis, and then straight down to, to you know Brooke Lopez and Portis, right? Yeah. Like they need Middleton and that's no to bridge that Portis, right? I think he's a really important player for any contending team that can find minutes for him. I just think that if you look at Boston and, you know, we've seen it, Jalen Brown, Chris Stapps, Paul Zingas out, no problem. You know, Drew steps up to a next step up. Um, White steps up. Al Horford mm-hmm. steps in. 
everybody yeah. moves up a spot and everything just keeps on moving. Whereas with Milwaukee, it's like, okay, you have the Dame and Giannis, but where's the floor spacing that opens up that pick and roll? You cannot, you cannot run a spread pick and roll if nobody else there is really a high level three point three point threat outside of Brook Lopez. Yeah, and, and Middleton's not, you know, an all defensive NBA guy, but he's a two way guy. I think he's a guy that at least at his best, I would define him as a two way guy. And in the example you gave with the Celtics, everybody plays two ways, right? You know, Dame is going to be a one side of the ball type of guy. Brook Lopez is going to lean more to the defensive side than yeah, the at this side. point. That's the and that's the thing, right? Is that there's too many like when the more that you have a subsection of guys that that play one side of the ball more than the other side of the ball, you need that connectivity. You need someone to bridge that gap. And, and Middleton does that, I think, on both sides of the ball for them, even just with his length, right? Just with his length and ability to guard guys uh, on the wing. But that'll be a fun one coming up on Wednesday, and then as we mentioned, Friday against the Magic. We'll have more about that later in the week but uh adam let's put a bow on it for for this episode here man great always catching up with you here on a sunday that will do it for this episode of green with envy and coming up here you're gonna hear some music from our guy the one and only manakis you'll hear some music from him and his band down here in austin texas they are black sheep optimists we'll see y'all later we love you Till I hit the floor Every time I get this high It's you I find It don't take much no more Until I match your door Baby, what can I say? You got me on the floor, you know I came to play I know I shouldn't, but you seem to take my pain away And every time I score, Jason Tatum fade away I close my eyes and I'm floating your river